Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 9, 2020. The coronavirus has made some people feel very isolated because they haven't been able to go to meetings, church, community events, and concerts. Many haven't been able to travel to visit family and friends. One way to stay in touch and make new friends has been to participate in community calls and chapter activities by phone. When the virus caused everything to shut down in early March, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision and the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind rose to the occasion. KCCLV had already begun holding low vision support groups by conference call, so even though its in-person groups had to be canceled, the telephone meetings just went right on. KCCLV holds a support group at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the first and third Wednesday of each month, and people who are experiencing vision loss are encouraged to attend. The August 5 support group gave participants a chance to tell others about their individual eye conditions and how they have learned to live with them every day. Listen on page 2 as KCCLV President Shirley Kane from Bellevue, Kentucky, conducts the meeting. Many stories were shared, and we bring you stories from three participants. Zora Schultz, originally from Danville, Kentucky, and now of Austin, Texas. Patty Cox and David Smith, both from Louisville. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its last in-person roundabout on Friday, March 6. The March 20 bingo went virtual, and we've been holding Friday night roundabouts from 7.30 to 9.30 ever since. Attendees at the August 7 roundabout were invited to share stories of picnics, fairs, and festivals they had experienced as children. This was especially timely as Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear had just announced the day before that the Kentucky State Fair would be held, but without the public. No food, no concerts, no rides, no exhibitions, no vendors. The evening was really fun and filled with history and local flavor. Listen on page 3 to our roundabout montage which includes Patty Cox and her virtual dinner about state fair food and a potato recipe, Bill Wright with his whirlwind tour of southeastern Kentucky festivals, Debbie Dethridge talking about the St. Joe's Picnic and state fair, Adam Rushevelt also talking about the St. Joe's Picnic and how the bratwurst came to be, David Smith going to the fair as a child and why he liked the Ferris wheel and did not like to eat at the state fair. Natalie Couch shares memories of festivals in rural Illinois. Susan Card goes to the State Fair as a student at the Georgia Academy for the Blind and other memories. Deb Lewis, originally from Pennsylvania, visits the boardwalk on the Jersey Shore with her family. And Restoria Ross Jackson grew up in Missouri and tells why the Illinois State Fair was so much better than the Missouri Fair. To find out more about how you can get involved in the information and fun that is as close as your telephone, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. We hope you enjoy this week's sound prints. Page 2. Okay, Zora, um, do you want to tell us about your eye condition? I don't want to put anybody on the spot, just so, so if you don't want to or... You'll say maybe later. That that way it takes care of everything. <laughs> okay. Um, I also have macular degeneration. My eye doctor started watching me in the 80s saying I had a lot of drusen and 
you know, this and that would happen. And you, know, you try to pin them down, and it's like, well, I don't know. Some people have drizzling like you have, and they never get any worse, and then other people lose their sight. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens to you, which was not real encouraging, but okay. So um, it actually didn't get really bad until about 2013-14, and then I was having trouble doing things at work. I couldn't see particularly the computer icons, you know, and and I was in the HR department giving meetings, and when the computer would go bad, it would be like, I can't see how to fix it. So I got very frustrated. But it was, I guess it was good that it got bad before I retired because I actually ended up getting hooked up with bulk rehab. This was back in Kentucky. Um, and they, they were able to give me some assistive devices. And and at that point, my eye doctor just, I, I was, in retrospect, kind of disappointed with him because he really didn't say, you know, it, it's getting to the point where you might want to start exploring, you know, what things are out there that might help you. But I, I um, ended up one day, the, the specialist that came out to the, the ophthalmologist once a month maybe twice a month, um, was in the office, and my particular level of macular degeneration made me a candidate for a study on dry macular degeneration. And they were doing a study to see if a, a particular drug that a company was working on would be effective or not. So I ended up being uh, able to participate in that. And actually, um, I had to drive... 45 miles to, to do this and what all, but both my mother and my mother-in-law had macular degeneration, and I have a daughter. So I thought, you know, if I can do anything that prevents her from having to, to go through this stuff, that would be good. So I, I went ahead, and my, my employer was supportive. Um, so I, I went in every six weeks and had an injection, and this was for dry macular degeneration. Well, this went on for a couple of years. And because I was in that office, they said to me, well, you might want to contact, in fact, it was the Bluegrass Council of the Blind. Um, and I said, well, I'm not blind. And, and they said, well, no, but you have a severe vision loss. And that was the first time I really realized that blindness encompasses this big range of vision loss. And, yep. and that even if if you have some sight, you know, you still have an impairment that can be addressed. Um, and so that got me hooked up with the bulk rehab and got me equipped. So that's sort of been my journey. I still have good days and bad days, um, as David mentioned, um, but have a fair amount of vision. Um, my biggest issue has been not being able to read my books. And I had hundreds of books waiting for me when I retired. And I finally donated them all because it was too much trouble to, to read a book with a magnifier or to use a, a hand magnifier and go back and forth trying to figure out which line I was on. So talking books has been my answer. Amen. Me too. <laughs> um, me too. <laughs> yeah. So, if it, and my husband, he, he worries about me because that's pretty much all I do is listen to talking books. But 
No, and I, I had planned to, to retire and, and be like a Girl Scout leader in a, in a low-income place where they didn't have folks that wanted to do that and what all. And I, now I wasn't able to transport myself. I couldn't read the materials that I had that I wanted to use and what all. So in the meantime, I've moved to Texas and so, um, you know, just kind of changed my focus. Um, but definitely still working on what's available. I ran into the Kentucky State Convention and, and, and then this group um, that were part of the Council of Citizens with Full Vision, and that's probably been one of the best places that I've been able to get information from and yeah. to recognize that there is help out there. I, and I was just thinking about it because locally the the um, group, the uh, American Council of the Blind, is not as active, and we don't have a, a low vision chapter here. And I, and I think about all the people that are, if they're like me, they don't think they're blind, so they don't know that there's stuff out there because yeah. that nomenclature um, – to me, and I told the Office for uh, Voc Rehab, I said, you know, I would have never come to your office for assistance if these people hadn't steered me to it because I don't consider myself blind because I know I can see. I just can't see well. And I know they said it's very political about, uh, you know, the folks that, that got services and, and spent their years trying to get help for people that do have vision impairments. Um, feel very strongly about giving up the name of the blind uh, in in those state agencies, but I'm thinking about all the people that are baby boomers, and most of them probably aren't going to be what the majority of people think of as blind, but they're going to have enough vision loss that they should be consulted to to understand that there's help out there. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> Um, okay. David or Patty, do you have something you'd like to share? I have aniridia, which is the loss of iris. They're, like when you go and you get your eyes dilated, um, yeah. your whole iris is not actually, your whole pupil is not actually exposed. It is three-quarters of the way exposed. Mine is all the way open, and I don't have an iris at all. And... Oh. So when you get, when you've been dilated, that's what I see all the time. Everything is extremely bright, a lot of glare. Um, mm. I've had cataract surgery bilaterally. And then um, with aniridia, not having an iris, when you have cataract surgery, you're in hopes that the scar tissue builds up around the, um, the pupil. Um, but... It didn't because your your iris is what holds the lens in. And so on my right eye, it floated off not once, not twice, but third time was a charm, and they went in and they put two sutures in. I don't ever see them, um, but if it's a nice blue day, um, some people go, there's something white in your eye, and I'm like, yeah, there is, but I don't see it. <laughs> so I don't let that bother me. Um, I I do drive. I drove a car um, until I was 27. I went home and hung up the keys, and that's when I had cataract surgery. I didn't start driving again 
until 2009. And um, I went and got a bioptic license because at that point they had changed the eye test in the way that they changed it. There was too much light um, for me to recognize where the little black dot was in the middle of the white, big white circle with the light behind it. Um, and so I've been driving ever since. And um, I use large print. I like to read, but I haven't read a whole lot lately. Um, but I got a pair of new eyes, and I I started reading a book. Um, but then I got involved with the the convention, and that kind of stopped things. And I'm also the president of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision yep. International. There's going to be some changes and new things happening, so. Um, I'm glad everybody's involved, and we do have some chat. Um, we have chat calls, too, um, Friday mornings at 11, and we have um, the one at the end of the month, this month, on um, the fourth Monday, we will be talking about the Fillmore system, um, because most of our stuff that is audio, we don't have a lot of people on our audio list, and um, there are some people that it's okay to read the computer, the emails and stuff, but um, if you would like to listen to it and read along with it or just listen um, instead of straining your eyes, uh, we're going to um, do a, um, a call that pertains to that and how you use it. Great. What was the system called? It's called Fillmore. Okay. And it's where we would we, – we upload – um, uh, like our publications will be read by someone and then we will upload them and you can call and listen to them. You can move forward, backwards, skip. And um, I'm not sure about all of it, but we got somebody that knows knows the Fillmore system and they will be, um, you know, letting everybody know all the ins and outs. We want to congratulate Patty for, for being able to get the um Position that she has as president of CCLBI. That's that's really a really really busy job. <laughs> I could go next if you want. Go ahead, David. I guess I'll start at the beginning so you can see the progression. But I guess I grew up with normal vision up until I was a, a junior in high school. I remember at the beginning of the semester sitting at the back of the class, like I in most of my classes. Join the meeting. A low profile, and I still do. But I remember by the end of the semester, I was sitting all the way up to the front of the class to be able to see the the notes for algebra class. And, uh, you know, I, at the time, I didn't think much of it. It's, you know. And uh, then when I went to get my driver's license, uh, they said, um, you need glasses. <laughs> So my vision was 20 over 200, which pretty bad vision. So apparently my vision went down pretty quick for some reason, but it was pretty bad vision. But it was correctable with, you know, to 2020 with contacts and uh, glasses. And, wow. Uh, up until, uh, you know, then uh, everything was normal up until 2004, and then I had retinal detachments. Oh, boy. <clears throat> and oh, that's what... Yeah, and so I've only heard of a couple other people on these calls who had that, but it's not really uncommon. It is 
uh, most people can, you know, get them reattached and be okay. Uh, um, but some people can't, and I was one of the lucky ones. And, oh, boy. Um, so my vision is slowly gone down, and um, um, now I'm, uh, you know, I reach, uh, I'll go back to what Bill said about Braille. You know, I was, for years, um, I was still able, you know, my vision was better after, you know, than it is now. I mean, and uh, I thought, well, I was kind of like Zora, too. I was like, I'm not blind. I just, my vision's so kind of bad. I, then was it 2015? I'm like, you know, I, I know I'm not the only person like this. So I started calling around, and um, and I called the office of the Kentucky Office of the Blind, and they referred me to Carla. I was looking to learn Braille. I was actually looking to learn Braille. Uh, Bill was, you know, he did. He was <laughs> dragged into it, but I was really wanting to learn because <laughs> I tried to learn on my own, and I just couldn't learn the grade two. Um, you know, I guess I wasn't smart enough. It, it was really hard to me. I just, it was like learning Chinese. So, but face-to-face -face was really easy, you know. So I started, that's how I got involved with uh, Kentucky Council of the Blind and then and then with this group. <clears throat> and uh, for what I do now, um, you know, I can still, uh, I have magnifiers. I recommend anybody, you know, who still has some deep, some visions uh, use a magnifier of your choice. Keep one in the kitchen, like I do, one in your office. Yeah. And uh, also use a little flashlight, one of those little small LED flashlights in my kitchen. I can actually use that to see the microwave numbers. And uh, <clears throat> I've got light, you know, some really strong, lighted, uh, expensive magnifiers. And if I, you know, write something big enough in a 2020 pen, I can read that, um, you know, jot down a quick note or two. It's it's not easy, but I can still read it. So that's what I do. It's indoors. I'm pretty much, pretty much dark except for the windows and lighting. So I'm hoping I keep that. And uh, outside's a little bit better, you know. I can tell trees and, and big objects. It's still pretty bad, but it's hoping I can keep a little bit of at least light perception because that really does you really don't realize how much that helps and yeah. I'll be able to read at least some writing with my magnifier but uh, you know who knows my vision's been changing it stayed pretty much the same from 2004 till 2012 and then it went down quite a bit then and then just recently um, a couple of years ago it started changing again so like uh Shirley or someone else said, yeah, it's visions changing all the time, you know, for everyone. Um, so that's pretty much my story. Well, thank you for sharing, David. Page three. But we'll get started tonight. We're going to share memories of picnics and festivals and fairs and when we chose that topic we didn't know that um, Uncle Andy was going to make his announcement about the state fair so it's even more appropriate since there's not going to be any there's not going to be any food at the state fair there's not going to be any entertainment 
There's not going to be any uh, vendors. There's only going to be, quote, participants. I guess that means the pigs and the horses. <laughs> so um, we certainly have to have uh, a virtual fair. So we're going to try to do that tonight. But first, before we do that, um, Patty, do you want to start off with our virtual dinner? Well, you know, I thought we would do this a little different since it's fair. So we're going to take a trip through the food courts. We're going to have Kentucky Proud Pork, pulled pork sandwich with barbecue sauce on it. And then we're going to go to that fried corn on the cob, which is really good. And then we're going to go get some onion rings and fried tomatoes. Mm. And if you're still not full, you can go out on the other side and you can uh, get you a hamburger on donuts. Yeah, the Krispy Kreme one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually made my own. Oh. And they were really good. You make your hamburger, and then you – I took my two donuts, and I just put them in the microwave for 10 seconds to heat them up. Then you put the, you put the hamburger uh, in between them, and I even used cheese, and it was – Oh, my gosh, that stuff's good. I'll have to make that one Friday night when we get back together. Y'all love it. But then we're going to also go and we're going to get us some fresh, those uh, lemon shake-ups, which is they put, like, a whole lemon down in the cup, a little bit of sugar syrup and uh, and water, and they shake that up, and those are really good. You don't find them many places besides the fair in the middle of Jefferson Mall is where I've seen them. Um, And then – of course, what would be a fair without an elephant ear or a funnel cake? So that's that, that's our fair dinner. But I, I will tell you all about a couple things that I've tried that are fairly easy to make. First of all, I got the private selection from Kroger's, and they're the small potatoes. The one I had was smoked Gouda, onion, and thyme in them, and I'm telling you, they were really delicious. Mm. I didn't think they would be that good, but I wanted to try them since I'm going to tell you all about them. And you make them right in the tray that you buy them in, and they are in the produce produce section over beside the potatoes. And all you do is remove the sleeve and seasoning packet. You place the tray in the microwave. Do not remove or puncture the film. You leave the film on there. You microwave it on high for five and a half minutes. You let it stand for one minute. You carefully remove that plastic. And then you uh, you add the flavor packet. And you can use, I use, but it says olive oil. If you like a lot of olive oil. But I don't like the taste of olive oil unless it's cooked into something. So I used just a, you know, two little pads of butter and mixed it in with it with the flavor packet. It was really good. You could put that with, you know, any protein that you have. The uh, baked scallop potatoes, I tried those because I'm telling you all about this stuff and I've never eaten them, so I had to try them. And I used the baked scallop potatoes. They were really, they were really delicious. And, um... I didn't use my microwave for that, but if you use the microwave, you can remove it from the tray. You remove the film. You put it on high for four minutes or until it's hot, and then you pop. Then you eat. 
Um, but I did put mine in the oven, and it did take a little longer. It's 20 to 22 minutes on uh, 350. You remove it from the tray in the package, and you remove the film. And, uh, I mean, you can cook it right in that little tray, but um, you take off the film off of it. So those were some things that I put with beyond a steak. But uh, you can put it with chicken or anything. They complement almost anything. And they're they're pretty good. They're already like prepared meals, but they're not frozen. They're kind of fresh, and they're and don't buy them unless you're going to use them in a couple of days. Because from experience, they're they're not as good. Um, okay, but, but, these, but what are they called? They're called Ressers, R E S E R S, and they're Main Street Bistro. And there's different ones. There's baked apples, scallop potatoes, and the other ones, uh, the potatoes are a private selection. And they're just in a box, small potatoes. They're private selection brand. It's been a long time since we have shared um, a memory. So we've had a – we did several of those. <clears throat> then we kind of got away from it. And so uh, now we can try it again. Let's try that tonight with um, sharing memories of either going to the fair, going to a, a festival, something along that line. It can be a picnic, too, but it would be great if it was a fair or a county festival or a county fair or the state fair. And it can be when you were a little kid as an adult. There's a lot of us that are from different parts, different places whether it be in Kentucky or somewhere else. And so it'd be kind of, I thought it'd be kind of neat, especially with the fact that we're not going to have any fairs this year as far as the Kentucky State Fair, not even concerts. It might be fun to share some memories of those different types of things. So who would like to begin? Bill Wright. Bill. Um, <clears throat> had when, when when I saw... You know, this was the topic. Um, I, I guess I had had thoughts of all three different, I call it time periods. Uh, adult, I always liked going to the state, so I always had to get my uh, pork chop sandwich. Uh, and uh, uh, I wasn't much of a person for the rice. I don't know. I just, I'd, uh, I, I would like, you know, to, the horses and um, going through, going to the consorts. I was the consort person at the state car. Had to go, had to, <coughs> I missed the Oak Ridge boys. Uh, and then um, growing up, I went to a lot of uh, cars in eastern Kentucky, but they, they wasn't cars. They was always wood rush. So, um, and then, um, and this time of the year in uh, Lecture County, well, I'm, I'm a little early, but uh, Lecture County, the month of September, every small community has a, um, like, a, like a car or sorters or something. And Awesome, where I'm kind of from, uh, always kicked it off Labor Day weekend with the rodeo. Uh, 
And uh, I, I don't forget one year, I last saw it, my cousin, they had this uh, milking contest. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he got he got kicked off his stool and everything, and so we always gave him a hard <laughs> time about it. And, uh, but, and then to end, uh, when I was a little kid, and and they they still do it every year. The, they had uh, this time of the year, all the churches uh, had their uh, what they read the list of uh, past uh, members had what they called dinner on the ground or. And man, you could always get good food at those. Bill, with all the communities having having their own festival, then I assume that all all of the other communities went to everybody's festival. So you had yes. one to do. Yes. What every yes. week, it every two starts, weeks through the uh, fall? Yeah, it starts. Um, it starts in Jenkins. Well, they they none of them having them this year, but it uh, it. Uh, it starts like in the outlying communities like Jenkins and Isom. Isom was always was always the first one. It was always Labor Day weekend, and uh, they started bringing the rodeo in, and it made good money for them, so they just kept doing it. And then it ended up in Whitesburg, uh, like the fourth weekend in September, and. So yeah, everybody went to went to all of them. You had to go hit every one of them up. And Dion, Isom, Blighty. Uh, Blighty was always the last one, the first weekend in October. Uh, and then then you had to go down to Hazard for Black Gold. Um, go on down to Bucket County for the Honeybee Festival. Knott County was later in the fall. The, Gingerbread Festival, uh, like you can see, every one of them had like their own name, and I guess their own themes too. Yes, and every uh-huh. one of them had music, had music, and most of them had like uh, had rides and the sort of for little kids and um, everything. That would sure have been fun to do, especially as a little kid, you know, and getting getting to go to all those. Of course, I'm sure it was a great way to keep up on all the gossip for everybody else, too, all around. Yes. So, okay. Who else has some memories to share? But St. Joe's is still going. Debbie, fact, uh, didn't have they're, they're doing theirs huh? right now virtually, in fact, St. Joe's. Oh, it is the virtual. It's this weekend. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, That'll be interesting to see how that turns out, being a virtual yeah, picnic. Yeah, because it's so, a fundraiser. You know, that's their major yeah. fundraiser. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, the first time in 43 years that my dad has not worked a picnic. <laughs> yeah, we wow. wondered if he's going to be up there giving out cakes anyway. <laughs> no, they're doing everything virtually. Other memories. Well, I'll go. It's Debbie. All right, Debbie. Um, 
Well, of course, we've already touched on St. Joe, and I'm missing my fish sandwich tonight, so anyway. Well, you can talk about St. Joe's. We haven't really talked about St. Joe's. You can talk about St. Joe's and all the other um, big uh, Catholic picnics in the area. I mean, oh, yeah, that's, there's... that's a world into itself. It's, it's oh, great. yeah, of course, they didn't get to happen this year. Of course, I don't get to go to too many of the Catholic picnics anymore, but St. Joe's I always like going to. I'd, you know, I'd go up there and meet somebody from my family and... They take me around and help me make my donations quickly. So, <laughs> always a good cause. Um, but um, going um, going back to the fairs, of course, I've been to several fairs, but I don't know. There's one I think there was a little uh, mischievous planning in this one, but I think y'all know where we're going with this one. But you know, there was one fair that GLCB went to and some of us got paired up, you know, um, to walk around the fair. And then we went to the Travis Tritt concert and, um, well, of course, Bill and I got happened to get paired up together. I'm not sure what was going on with that, but (laughs) y'all, kind of the rest of that is history. No, you're not implying there was some complicity going on there somehow. Absolutely not. But no, no we would never do such a thing. Oh, of course not. But oh, yeah, know, right. That when Patty was going down the, you know, through the food court, and I'm like, yeah, where's my elephant here? She didn't provide any of those, <laughs> and I never had the fried corn, so it's like, oh, man, that'd be great right about now. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, fairs are just fun to go to. I never have been much of a ride person. Well, I don't mind a few of the rides. My stomach doesn't like them, but, you know. uh, So I never have been much of a ride person, but I always liked walking around in the uh, East Wing and where all the merchandise and all the stuff that you can purchase is, um, that's always fun, but haven't really been in a few years. Wasn't planning on going this year anyway. Okay. Who else? This Adam. Adam? Uh, first, I'm going to touch on the St. Joe picnic again. Uh, a lot of people may not know, but that picnic started back, I think, in around the 1870s. goes way back because that, that was uh, the St. Joe's Orphan's Home. And um, and that was a fundraiser for them. And the historic part about that is is that the bratwurst was created for that picnic specifically by one of the packing houses uh, down here in what was Butcher Town. And back in the 1800s, on up to the middle, you know, even 1970, there were still a lot of um, packing houses down there off of Story Avenue and that area. And back in the 1800s, there was so much slaughtering that went on that in the fall, um, when they slaughtered pigs and so on, uh, Beargrass Creek used to run through there. And they, there was so much slaughtering that went on that the, the creek would run red with the blood from the slaughterhouses. 
but anyway, the bratwurst was invented for that picnic, and that was one thing that I always liked to get if I went to St. Joe's picnic was was the bratwurst. I still like those. But uh, the, the fair that I wanted to talk about was the state fair. Uh, one of my biggest wishes was to sometime go out to the state fair with a grocery cart and just go around to all the exhibit tables and pick up one of everything that they had to hand out, you know, whether, whether it be brochures or rulers or, you know, um, I don't know, uh, balloons or pieces of candy, whatever they had to hand out, just see how much stuff you could pick up <laughs> at, at all those tables. And I never did it, but uh, I think it would have been fun to do that. Adam, that would be like going to a teacher's conference. Yes. There is absolutely no place that you can collect more stuff unless yeah. it would be the state fair than at like a KEA conference or something. <laughs> you you, yeah. you need a truck to take home all the samples and all the stuff they're mm-hmm. handing out. It is an amazing place. <laughs> I agree. Well, yep. um, this this is Bill, and I'm like Adam. I, I was out, or, you know, I got someone to walk around with me, and in five minutes I had a shoulder bag full of stuff. So there's, there's no way, Adam, you grocery cart wouldn't start. You need a semi. <laughs> you, you're right, Bill. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Who else would like to share? This is David. Uh I was debating, but Adam triggered a memory <laughs> when he go for it. When I was uh, when I was young, um, I would always go to the fair with my grandfather. He, you know, that was his big thing with the fair. He wouldn't go, you know, on vacations, or he wouldn't even leave town. Or he said he did enough traveling in the war, but but he loved the state fair. And so I got to go with him. We get up real early. He liked to be there real early before the cars, you know, you get a long line going in there. And uh, the first thing, you know, his main thing was to hit the exhibitors. And we went through every aisle, every booth, and collected as much stuff as possible. Anything that they were giving. I remember coming back with a bag or two of, you know, some things were useless, but some things were kind of cool. Because, you know, I don't know how they, you know, if they give out that much now, but it used to be some really nice things they would give out. And uh, so, yeah, what, that was growing up. And then um, I remember going another time with my uh, mom and dad <clears throat> when I was really young. And I think they were meeting some friends there from out of town. And it was the first time I'd. Uh, been on a Ferris wheel and it may have been the first ride ever, maybe, but uh, I remember if you've ever been on one, you know, I stop quite often so I can get other people <laughs> on, let people off. And I remember being, when I was up at the very top and, uh, you know, I was, I was scared because they rock and the person I, I think I was with my uncle was rocking the, 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 chair we were in and uh that really scared me and i remember thinking it was really cool because you could see from the very top of the buildings downtown you know uh, downtown Louisville. and 
then I've been, you know, a few times, several times, you know, since then. Um, and uh, I think the most recent time was 2006 or seven. And, uh, you know, you, you couldn't pay me to go again. I just, it's, you know, it's hot <laughs> and there's a lot of, you know, livestock, you know, that just doesn't do a lot for me. And, um, <laughs> now that I can't see the exhibit, you know, it was okay to see the quilts and the produce and stuff, but I can't see that anymore. And, uh, I never would eat there because it's just, it's overpriced and I, I feared for, you know, cost of a corn dog and a Coke, I could have a nice lunch, you know, when I left. So, uh, but, uh, I remember, you know, when I was, when I was young, you know, it was almost like a magical experience, uh, going in there. And, uh, first thing you see, you know, when you walk up is the, uh, when you're walking in is that big old farmer. I forget what he's called. Freddie Farmer. Okay. And I think he would say hello or he would say something as you're walking in, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, that's my memories of that and, uh. You know, I don't. Harry Miner talked about Freddie Farmer today, and and I was just wondering if this year they were going to have to put a mask on him. (laughs) (laughs) We have some people on here that are from different places. Um, Like Natalie is here, and from she grew up in Illinois, and Deb Lewis in Pennsylvania. People that grew up in other places. It would be interesting to know what you know what you all remember about the festivals or fairs or things in your areas. Okay, um, I'll go. I will talk about, Adam Well, Adam and Debbie were talking about church picnics, and, um, well, St. Joe's picnics and Catholic picnics and stuff. Um, our big thing for our church, I don't know if they're doing it this year, but every year growing up at home, um, we always had a Labor Day parade, like in the town about 10 minutes from where my parents live. So it's a town that my parents grew up in. Um, and our church always did all of the, so it was like a huge party all weekend. Um, it started Friday night and it used to go until, um, Monday night. And the ironic thing was, was that on Saturday nights, I think they used to do a Margaritaville and of course, no, it was Sunday night. And of course it used to be um, in our Catholic church parking lot. So I always thought that was pretty, um, you know, <laughs> pretty comical. Um, but, um, and it was always fun because it was always around my birthday. Um, so we always, you know, it was always kind of like a, a huge party and, um, those were a lot of fun. And then on Monday mornings, we, uh, the Monday of Labor Day, we would wake up and go because my grand, my mom's mother and father used to live um within walking distance of the parade so we would just park at their house and um then just walk down to the parade and then when it ended um you know we would walk back and my grandfather would always have a huge cookout and then when he passed away in 98 um my grandmother still continued the the tradition so either my father would like bring his grill and cook or grandma would just buy food or whatever. Um, you know, so that was kind of fun. And now, um, my sister and I were talking the other day when they were here and it's kind of sad because they 
finally sold my grandmother's house and my mm. aunt's house who used to live a couple houses down from her. So now when we go to the parade, or well, when they go to the parade, they don't have any place like to, you know, park anymore. But um, those were some pretty fun memories. And then the Illinois State Fair was always fun. Um, the first one of those I remember we actually crashed my aunt and uncle. That was actually my aunt and uncle's first date. Um, and my mom and dad and I decided that we were going to join them. Um, <laughs> so we kind of, <laughs> we kind of crashed their first date and, um, we still give my uncle grief about that because we all decided that we were going to get tickets to a Willie Nelson concert. Um, and Carla and Adam, you've actually met this particular uncle, but so we were giving him, we still give him grief because we were all excited about going to this concert and he did not know who Willie Nelson was. Um, oh dear. So, <laughs> so, um, that was kind of a fun, you know, that was my first memory of the state fair. And then of course, I don't know if they have these here because I've never been to the Kentucky state fair. I've always wanted to go, but I've never gotten to, um, the big, I was always so excited every year cause they would make the cow out of butter. Um, and so I just always thought that was, you know, a really cool thing. Um, and I don't know. I just have a lot of fun, you know, family memories with the state fair and um, where my parents live, they live out in the country and our little tiny town has a fairgrounds, which I always thought was really ironic because my town is super little and why they have a fairgrounds, I don't know. Um, but it was kind of cool because my parents live out in the country. So we used to um, hang out in their pool and we get to listen to some really cool concerts because you know, you could hear everything um, because it was out in the country. So obviously, the, if the wind was blowing in the right direction, um, you could pretty much get some free concerts. Um, <laughs> so, so that was kind of cool. Um, I don't know, and I'm trying to think about any other festival type things. We didn't really fairs. You know, were pretty much the big thing that we did. So, um, those are kind of some fun memories, and I'm kind of sad that. Um, Kentucky's not having their fair this year because I think I almost had Joey convinced to go, but now <laughs> mm. that's not happening. So maybe some year I'll get to go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Who else? I'll go. Okay. Um, I went to GAB and the the fair started on Monday and they would let all the schools and I guess the city or county or whatever, out at 12 o'clock to go. And mm-hmm. we we got to go. They would take a group of us, and I don't know if we did this every year, but I know several years we got to go. And so it was fun. We all rode, you know, rides. We had to, um, and then I, I got to go with my family. That was a, that was, I went with the school, but I wanted to, you know, I went with my family. So we would go. My parents were, they worked at a church booth, and they would, you know, sell. Uh, <coughs> I know one year it was barbecue or they had hamburgers and stuff like that. And so my sister and my brother and I sometimes had to stay while they were selling. We could not do anything, um, you know, while they were selling because they didn't, they didn't want us to go away. So um, we got to go as a family one day, but then we also, I remember several times staying at the booth 
while they would um, serve our, you know, customers. Um, and then I remember one one time we were there after that, and they were about they were cleaning up, ready to go. And I said, I want to ride the spider. It's late. I want to ride the spider, but it's late. It's eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock, whatever it was. And they were cleaning us. I, I want to ride the. Sp-. So we got to ride the spider late at night. <laughs> um, that was fun. And um, I know I went one time. The the uh, everybody else, you know, you could throw something and win something or whatever. I thought the the best thing for me is to pick up a duck. Now, I knew I'd get something if I picked up a duck. Um, so I did, and I won a piggy bank. And mm-hmm. I've kept that thing for years. It's a little plastic bank, and I actually saved coins in it for several years. Got that. Um, and went home with a friend of mine. She came in about fourth or fifth grade, and her brother and my brother played football against one another. And I went home with her in eighth grade. I think it was eighth grade. I can't remember. I was thinking about it today, and I don't remember exactly what year because we were friends for several years, even though she left after fifth grade, but or after eighth grade, I think. But um, she, um, we were. They had a little carnival where she lived, and she was, you know, a couple hours or so from my house. So we, I went home, spent the weekend with her, and they had a little carnival, and. Um, she stopped to look at something. The next thing I knew, she was gone, and she left me. All her. I said, Laura, where are you? Oh, I'm so sorry. And she came back. She was all apologetic and all that, but I was left. And that was. A, I thought, okay, if this is the way the weekend's going to start, I don't know. <laughs> but the rest of the weekend was fine. It, we had a good time. But um, and I did. I have gone to the Kentucky Fair a couple of times since I've been up here. One of the last times, I think the last time I went, and I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I haven't ridden. I went, went with a friend once and rewrote a few, a couple of things or whatever because she knew I wanted to ride a couple of things, and so we did. And um, I've gone a couple of times with other people, and the last time I went was right after my dog was put down. My um, parents came, and so they took me to the fair, and we walked that night just so I'd have something to do besides think about my dog. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and Susan, yeah. you that GAB, that's the Georgia Academy for the yeah. Blind, the Georgia yeah. School? Okay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I remember one of the rides was called the Swiss Bob or something like that, and it felt like just a glorified car ride. I mean, to me, that's you know, other than you were going backwards, I thought, what's the what's the fun? Other than you're going backwards, it just felt like a real, you know, like a car ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I like, I've always liked roller coasters and things like that. I always like things, um, you know, so I don't mind them spinning around. My issue is I can go upside down, but don't don't stand me on my head and stay there forever. And ever and ever, and I went with mm-hmm. somebody from work one day, one time, and the guy thought he was just doing me a favor because he knew I was blind. He was trying to give me an extra bang for the buck, and he he stood me on my head. I don't know how long. I thought, would you just let me let me go on over? It'd be fine. I don't mind mm. going upside down, but let me just don't let me stay on my head forever and ever. That wasn't mm-hmm. that was a little bit too much. 
Um, but we had uh, had good times. And uh, okay. All right. Thank you. Who else? Am I, am I unmuted? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. We're, I think earlier we're waiting you. for a Pennsylvania fair story. Okay. Well, I don't know. I had, but we have, um, let's see, when I was little, oh, like five, six, seven, eight, in that area, our family would go to the Jersey Shore, New Jersey Shore, and they have um, boardwalks. Along the boardwalk, there's all kinds of games. It's just like going to a fair. There's games and booths that sell things and little shops, and and they have an area that's got rides. And, well, what, one time we went, I remember being the only kid on the little cars, like, Don, like Donna was talking about, because it was late at night. They were supposed to have shut down, but I had I was the last kid in line, and I got on, and and... I, we went around, and the guy got everybody else off, but he didn't get me off, and he ran the ride just with me on it for about 10 minutes, I guess. <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. And then another time we were there at the short, um, well, what my parents would do, it was about a three, maybe three-and-a-half-hour ride from our house to the shore, and we'd go and spend some time on the beach, and then we'd go up on the boardwalk. And we could end up going home at, 10 or 11 o'clock at night and get in at 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Who else haven't we heard about? Oh, Restoria, we haven't heard from you. Tell us about a picnic that you remember. Well, when we were small, I lived in St. Louis, so we okay. the Illinois Fair and the um, Missouri Fair. Uh, we always enjoyed the Illinois Fair and because they gave us some really nice stuff, you know. Every year we'd get our toothbrush and toothpaste. <laughs> or, wow. And they, yeah. So it, it was really interesting and everything. I've only been to the um, Kentucky for a, a couple of times, and uh, my girlfriend takes a backpack <laughs> and fills it up. And, God, she got some junk. <laughs> oh, but you get a lot of candy too, you know. So, uh, but the uh, it it was interesting, you know, and everything. But we didn't do much traveling when my, when we were small and everything. Other than, and we thought that was a long ways away. But now that I'm older, uh, Illinois, the Springfield from St. Louis is only about uh, thirty minutes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but. Um, it, it was real nice and everything. We I uh, always enjoyed the animals and things like that. I like the um, horseback riding and everything. That to me was uh, showed a tremendous sportsmanship. But we used to have a carnival every year in our hometown, and that was really nice because they it was just like a fair, and they had the Ferris wheel and the octopus and all those different rides and things like that. You know. You don't get too close to them, though, because you never know what was coming down from the sky when Cooper was Uh-oh. getting <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of that going on, you know, because they couldn't stand the ride, you know. But it was really nice, you know, especially the first wheel when you got stuck at the top. If you were with the right person. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and, and nobody could tell what you were doing up there at the, at the top. <laughs> what was your hometown where they had that carnival? I live right outside the airport uh, in a little small town black community called Kenlock, Missouri. So, Restoria, you're, you are, I think, a unique person here in that you have been then, if you would also went to the Missouri State Fair, that you um, experienced two different state fairs. So, um, you said you got good stuff at the Illinois Fair. What was the Missouri Fair like? Um, they they didn't give away as much, so no. we didn't go but the one year, and then we went back to Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I don't know why. Um, it it just stood out. My dad always liked to take us somewhere every year, you know, and everything. And that was one of the things that he looked forward to was going to the fairs. Good. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.